Good evening. It is good to have everyone back out with us for our second half of our worship service. This evening I want us to open up to Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, be opening up there with me. I know we've covered this before and I know you've studied this many, many times over and over again, but it's again good to refresh our minds. It's, it's good to recover things that we have learned in the past because what happens when we tend to forget to study things, we forget them and we might lose sight of things, which this is the parable of the sower. This is the parable that Christ is teaching the way the gospel is handled by folks, how it affects folks' hearts, and the benefits of it reaching that good soil as it should reach us today. So when we look at Matthew chapter 13, beginning in the first verse. <clears throat> On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now let's stop there in the ninth verse. Now this is one of the, uh, one of the few blessings that we have. I think there's two that parables that Christ actually explains in his teachings. Well, we're going to get to that in just the next few minutes to measure up of our understandings of it equal to Christ. But look back in verse 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now Christ is explaining how the gospel is delivered. When someone is out there sowing this seed... We sing a wonderful song, Are You Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, Brother? What a wonderful question to ask. Are we at first, are we the person sowing the seed? Well, if someone is teaching you or you are teaching someone, the seed is definitely being sown. And if you know anything about gardening or you know anything about planting a field or even grass, well, grass kind of a little bit of an exception, but if you want just regular grass and not weeds and thistles and all this other stuff you have to eventually cut out, you're going to have to plant grass or whatever type of seed that you want to sow. We're going to use the example of corn. I like to use the word, the, the, the example of corn because it benefits the purpose of the gospel being taught to people so much. There's a good relationship there or a good representation there. So when you're planting a, corn, a, a crop of corn, you have a freshly tilled ground. And you say it's one, say you have enough to make one row. That's all you got. It's the only space you got to plant that corn. And you got these rocky face on one side, you got this ditch on the other, and all kind of stuff that's around it. But you've got this one row that's tilled up. All right, you take this seed and you and you're and you're sowing it. Right? You're, you're sowing this seed and it's it's kind of going around all over the place. Well, typically, if you're wanting corn, you're gonna drop into the row, right? Typically. But this sower is just sowing, just like we sow the, the, the seed of the kingdom. 
whenever we're preaching our, our sermons or teaching our lessons through just the way that we live or our speech, we're giving it to anyone who has their ears open, who are listening, hopefully hearing. Or as, as behold, a sower went out to sow. So someone is going out teaching the gospel. Someone is going out sowing the seed of the kingdom. All right. So we go down to verse 4. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. When the birds come down and devour uh, and eat these corn seed as our representation, what happens? They don't, have, they don't even have a chance to hit the ground. They don't even have a chance to get into the stony places nor the thorns and thistles. Now this is someone who is hearing the gospel saying, No, I ain't listening to that. I ain't even going to open my, I ain't even going to waste my time. And I hear this. And I understand there are people out there who are like that because Jeremy used to be one of them. I ain't got time for this thing called church. I don't have time for God. I have other things I've got to get done. I'm not listening. You can actually watch them physically, not physically, but uh, hypothetically, turn their ears off. Click, and they ain't listening no more. It ain't going anywhere. That's the birds receiving it from the wayside. It's falling in the ditch, and the birds come and eat it immediately. That's Satan abiding in someone's heart, saying, no, 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 don't, don't listen to that person. This being a, a, a person, a man, because he went and sowed the seed, right? Don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to what he has to say, because he is, he is full of lies. He is full of deception. Oh, Satan loves to use those words when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the truth, because he wants people to not hear it. That's what he's telling people. So us as a child of God, us instructing folks to turn away from their ways, we're telling them you're being deceived. You're being lied to. Satan has the blinders on you. Turn away from this sad, pitiful state that you're in. This is Satan taking the word immediately out of someone's ears, not even have a chance to come into their heart, to even let their minds even to come wrap around it, to even look at it, nonetheless to even hear it or understand it. And then verse 5, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much, did, did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. All right, verse 5. This is someone who has not 100% grasped the meaning of the gospel. When that seed, or that corn seed, it fell off into that little, little stony places, right? And it had made just enough a crack to get a, a, a root off in there. And that root tried to go a little ways, and there it's, it, it grabbed a hold. And you got this little bit of green coming up. You ever seen that? You ever sowed something and, and you're out there, you're watching it come up, and you see that little bit of green just, just, just come forth on the earth. And you say, look at that. I got some, in this, in this example, I got some corn crop coming. We're going to be able to put some corn in the freezer. Well, this is someone who hears the gospel, doesn't fully grasp the gravity of it. It's not ready to give up the world. But yet still they're immersed, baptized for the remission of sins, and they're faithful. And they begin to come to church. They, become, they begin to come to Bible class. They begin to participate in church functions. 
But when the sun was up, when difficult times come, when it becomes a hindrance to their lives because they haven't grasped the gravity of being a child of God, because we give up sin, we give up the ways of the world we're supposed to, when the sun comes up and it's scorched, something on stony places where they had did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, they was on fire immediately, but because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Sadly enough, we see this even today. Someone comes in even for the wrong reason. They come in for the wrong reason or, like I said, they haven't fully given up the world. They're faithful for a little while. And they walk away. We see this representation in John 6 and verse 66. When many of his disciples walk away, turn their backs to our Lord and Savior, never to walk with him ever again. Now that's not saying today that someone can come back. We can always come back. We can always, until that great day or until we breathe our last, we can always come back. But this is someone who was faithful for a little while, and says, you know what? I'm not ready for this yet. And walk away. That's right, Brother Mark. They give up. They're no longer faithful. And Revelations 2.10 says we got to be faithful for how long? Until death. Until we breathe our last or until our Lord and Savior comes back. And that parable of the wheat and tares, those reapers come back to collect those who are His, those who are faithful. Those at the end of this parable that Christ is trying to get this point across. We have these folks today. They need our encouragement. They need all kinds of help. They need spiritual motivation from us who are seasoned Christians. They need help. And that's not saying we cannot force them because we cannot force them to be Christians. They have to make the conscious decision for themselves. I know we, I would love to go out there and force people to be saved. That, wouldn't that be wonderful? Just, to, just you got to be saved. Come on, we got to do this right now. But folks have got to make the choice. Just as you and I have made that choice to give up the world. Well, well we should. We'll, we'll get to that in the next few minutes. Because once we've made that decision to give up the world, it's no longer appealing to us. Something better exists. Do you know what that is? It's called heaven. It's called a place with our heavenly Father where he shall wipe away all tears. I want us to keep that into our minds. So we see these folks who are faithful for a little while spring up immediately. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this spiritual thing. I'm ready to be on fire for God. And then when the sun comes up, that's a representation of something coming between them and God, whether it be Money, whether it be hard times, whether it be old habits. And those are hard to kick, by the way. They come between them. It comes between them and their God, becomes their idol, and they are no longer faithful to God. They fall away. They're scorched, and they wither. Do you remember the parable of the true vine? Since we're in the middle of this parable of the sower, remember the parable of the true vine? If we're not connected to Christ, Christ being the vine, us being the branches, 
God himself being the vine dresser, what is our duty? To produce fruit. And if we're not producing fruit, if we're not that faithful attached branch as we should be, the sun comes up, withered away. What happens to those branches that are disconnected? They're gathered together to be burned. Here in this parable, they're just withered away. They die. Because they have no depth of root. They have no full understanding of what the scriptures reveal unto us. They haven't given up the world. For as we know that we have died to the world, we died to sin. And now we're alive in Christ. Keep in mind this morning's lesson that Christ offers us life. And in verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. You ever seen uh, something try to grow in thorns and thistles? You ever seen something try to? Well, they get no sun. They don't, they don't get that nourishment from the sunshine. And I forget what the name of that process is called. Uh, there you go, photosynthesis. That's the word. Thank you, Mark. That, that word that it, it's got to receive light for it to live. Well, if something's choking that light out, it's not going to live. Case in point, ever had a, uh, oh, what's that tree? A magnolia tree. You ever seen under a magnolia tree? What's, how much grass is growing under that magnolia tree? <laughs> None. None. Why? Because the, the magnolia tree is an excellent shade tree. It's a wonderful shade. It makes a mess. It does. But it's a wonderful shade tree. And that grass cannot grow underneath it. It's, the, the sun is choked out. See here how the, the, the seed fell into the thorns? This is someone succumbing to the world, abiding in the world. When the world comes between them and God, we see this. We see this often. When someone hears the word and says, I'm not ready to give up the world. How sad is that? I understand what God would have me to do. But I'm not ready to give up the things which I enjoy. I'm not ready to give up my alcoholism. I'm not ready to give up my smoking. I'm not ready to give up my gambling. I'm not ready to give up my cursing and so forth. I'm not ready to give up these worldly things because it's just too much fun. I don't see the fun in none of that myself. That just results in destruction, whether it be physical or spiritual. All I see is destruction and death. So the thorns chokes those new seedlings out. I agree to that. This is the representation of the world choking someone's spirituality down because they can't let it go. They cannot move past the things that they should die to. That being sin. That being the world. That being Satan himself. We use, a, I like to use often the, that instructions that Christ was, I was trying to find the scripture before, before the lesson, the thought just popped into my mind when I walked through the doors about Abraham being the Jew's father. Now wait a minute, it wasn't Abraham, because Christ said, if Abraham were your father, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. And they changed their, their note, to, those Jews changed their answer to God being their father. We're not born of fornication. Christ tells them plainly, if God were your father, you would have loved me. They were trying to kill Christ, were they not? They were. And then he tells them plainly, plainly. 
Satan is your father, and the works of him you wish to do, for he is an author of the liar, and all that abides in him is death. That's paraphrasing that last part of that. But Satan offers death. That's what he offers. Spiritual death. That's what the thorns and the thistles does to that little seedling because it can't get the sun. It's not nursed from the word because it's not abiding in it. It's not dwelling in it. Someone is not keeping the commandments of God and the love of God does not abide in it. He or she and dies. Just like that grass under that magnolia tree, which it never died because it never did get to start. But others fell on good ground in verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Look at the fruitfulness of this. When you have that, keep in mind we're using corn crop or corn seed as our example. You drop that corn seed in that ground as you're planting it. Of course, you can sow it like, like we're sowing the gospel, right? You just scatter it about. You're going to waste a lot of seed, but some's going to hit that good ground. Some's going to hit that good ground, and it's going to spring up a crop. It's like you're waiting on that little, waiting on that little the sapling to come up. I don't guess that's what you call it, the sapling. That little stick of green that comes up. Oh, there it is right there. That ain't grass. That's, that's corn right there. And you watch it grow. And you watch it grow. And you watch it get bigger. And you watch it get bigger. And you watch those little ears come out of the stalk. And that's when your mouth starts to water. Because, oh, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, I like fresh corn. I love some fresh corn. So here we go. We see these crops. And every time, how many times have you ever picked an ear of corn and you just got one little seed of corn on that ear? It's many, is it not? It's many little ears of corn. You ever watched a child eat a corn on the cob? Have you ever watched yourself eat corn on the cob? It's, it's, it's making a big old mess, right? Enjoying everybody. It's many. That's the result of the gospel entering into your heart that is good ground. Someone who is faithful, someone who is ready to put their best foot forward to be obedient to God. That is the yielding of that good crop. The result of that seed hitting good ground. Now when we're out there giving the gospel, who do we give the gospel to? All. The gospel is for all, is it not? It is not our job as the sower to pick and choose where we sow the gospel. It's not. When we make it our job, we become a respecter of persons. Did Christ not tell us to be godlike or godly? Did he not tell us to be holy? That idea of set apart. To walk in the light as God himself is in the light. Did he not command us to do that? That was being John there. So therefore, if God is not a respecter of persons, can, uh, can us as a child of God be a respecter of persons? No sirs and no ma'ams, we cannot. Y'all like that? No sirs and no ma'ams? <laughs> we can't. We give it to whoever is listening. We ever give it to whoever is watching. 
It may hit that good soil in an individual. We may prick the hearts of those who are completely dead in their sins. Completely obligatory what they're doing or oblivious or not fully understanding what they are doing is displeasing in the eyes of God. It's accepted in society. Well, what I'm saying and what I'm doing is everybody else is doing it. Does that make it right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because who is the judge of that? The world. Folks, we're not going to be standing in front of the world to be judged on judgment day. We're going to be standing before our Lord and Savior. Hearing either two things. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. So I'm going to make you a master over many. Faithful. Well done. That sounds a whole lot better than this next part. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Like I said, there's two. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's Matthew 7, verse 23. That's sad. This is someone who thinks they're spiritual. So the good ground that the gospel that we sow, behold, a sower went out to sow. Keep in mind, today, in 2021, that sower is not Jesus Christ. It's not. He's done his sowing. He's done it. Guess who the sower is today? You and I. A child of God. The sowing there is the representation of the gospel. Right? So let's turn uh, Matthew 13 down a few verses to verse 18. Listen to Christ describe this parable. See if it measures up. See if it equals up. <clears throat> and look within yourself to see where you land. Therefore, hear the parable of the soul. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Someone who just don't care. Don't understand. Not willing to listen to it. The devil took the intent away. It's like the old devil switched the ears off. No. He didn't do that manually, did he? The world does it. Someone who is worldly. Someone who is not ready to come to Christ. And there are so many. Then verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places... This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Stony places. No root. No fully grasping the gravity of the word or the promise that God has given those to be faithful unto death. When difficult times come, yeah, I'm done with the spiritual thing. Keep in mind, I can remember Saul. Could you remember, a, could, could you think of a, a better scenario on that road to Damascus? Could you imagine that? You think that, that was a pretty difficult time in his life to hear what he was doing was persecuting God or Jesus Christ? He could have said, so I don't care what you're saying, we'll keep going. He could have done that. He didn't, though, did he? Later to be known as Paul and a, still a wonderful teacher of the gospel as we study 
God's word. Someone who is that receiving the, receiving the word, being that stony place, no gravity, or no gravity, no root, root, root in the word, no understanding. Tough times come. Tough decisions come. And give up on their spirituality. That's sad. Now verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And becomes unfruitful. Uh oh. What happened to the word when the world ensues? It becomes unfruitful. Think back to that uh, parable of the uh, true vine. What happens to those unfruitful branches? They're cut off. They are withered. They're gathered together to be burned. Same scenario in verse 22. They hear the word, they understand it. But the, word, but the world gets in the way. The world gets in the way and they fall away. They die. They perish. And in verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. So when we think about bearing fruit as a child of God, what's going to happen? More of the word is going to get taught. More of the word is going to get preached. It's going to get instruction from so many other folks because that good seed hit that good ground. That one seed can turn out to be a whole ear of corn. Look at that. Wow. That one seed can become a whole ear of corn, of, of corn seed. Preaching the gospel. Well, I wish that was so much more true today. Now keep in mind when I say that, I, I reflect today than the first century, right after Paul's sermon. After 3,000 folks were immersed. And so many folks were being added to the kingdom daily. They were on fire for the church. They met daily praising God, giving Him favor. And God added to the church daily. Folks was on fire for the church. Here we are in 2021. I hope we're not coming down to a cinder. You know what a cinder is? You ever seen a fire? You ever seen a fire about go out? Let's not, let's not let this be the church. It needs to be blazing, just like Christ said. Look how great a forest, uh, look what great a forest fire it kindled. What he's saying there is, I wished it was already burning. I wish that the folk was on fire for the word by one little spark. That one little spark, like a forest fire. Who was it? Uh, Smokey the Bear, right? Y'all see Smokey the Bear? He always says, only you can prevent forest fires. Unfortunately, on a side note of that, the reason why that came is the reason why we have such great forest fires now. You might say, what? Huh? Because before, all the underbrush was kind of being burned. That's a, that's a story for another lesson. But that one little cinder in those leaves and the whole forest is on fire. Now when it runs out of fuel, when it runs out of wood, what happens? All that fire will come down, all the way down to a little cinder. The same thing it started with, a spark. 
a spark. Let's not let that be the church today. You're right. If you don't rekindle it, it'll die. And it goes away. Folks, that cannot be us today. For Christ himself says that the, the Father waits to none of his herd to the coming of the kingdom. Excuse me, to the coming of God's kingdom. That is, Christ handing the keys over to the Father. And that happens right after Judgment Day. What? We find that in 1 Corinthians. We just got through studying that. Now, let's make sure we're that good ground. Let's make sure we're... First off, let's make sure we're sowing the seed. How many of y'all ever planted something? It ain't got to be corn, it's something. You got to tend that ground, do you not? Oh, you got you to keep that grass out of there. I'm trying to keep a rose bush alive and some tomato plants alive. Crying. And I got them in pots, and it's a little bit easier to control in a pot, right? Easy to pull that grass out of there and, and to control the ground around it so it don't get overgrown. When we're sowing that seed, our job does not stop at sowing, does it? That ground needs nurturing. Those crops need encouragement. You ever heard the term that, uh, a little bit off topic, your plants grow better when you talk to them. You ever heard that before? Have you ever heard that before? It's not because the plants are listening to you. That's not what it is because those plants do not have ears. What it is is your carbon dioxide that you're exhaling when you're talking. It's immense. Like as I'm speaking right now, I'm emitting a great, huge cloud of carbon dioxide is what we exhale. Well, plants eat that. They, they breathe off of it. They, they need that to, to produce oxygen. It's, here we go around and around, right? Because we breathe in oxygen. That's why they say it's good to talk to your plants. I see some smiles on your faces whenever I said that. Who in their right mind is going to talk to their plants? Come on, little feller. you got to perk up a little bit, right? Come on, little tomato plants. You can make it. <laughs> See some fingers pointing. <laughs> That's fine. You're helping your plants. You're nurturing them. Same as a new child of God. This plant, this crop that's crusting out of the... Crusting, that's little sproutling that's coming out of the ground. This little bitty green thing comes out of there. Do you go over and stomp your foot on it? You don't go over and... you go over and rip it out of the ground? Of course not. You're nurturing it. Because how many of us like to eat fresh corn? Oh, I do. I like it. You want as many as you can get. Just as a child of God. We want as many as we can get. So how much nurturing are we doing out there in the world? How much encouraging are we for those who are lost to come to Christ? How much sowing are we doing? Because there's some good soul out there still. It just hadn't been found yet. And I understand there's thorny places. There's stony places. There's wayside. I understand that just as good as you do. But you know what? We ain't going to find it unless we sow in the seed. Let's make sure we're out there sowing that seed. Because it couples right along with Matthew chapter 18, verses 28. Through. See, I get that wrong after. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. My dyslexia gets the best of me. The Great Commission. Christ tells His disciples to go into all of the earth. That's everywhere. Preach, teach, 
create disciples, that is, baptizing folks in his name, teaching them to all things in which I have deserved, teaching them all things that I've shown you to observe. Teach them. And he also says something wonderful. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. Amen. He's with us. I'm thankful he's with us. You might not be able to see him. That's where your faith comes in. He's in your hearts. By your faithful obedience to his word, when you're out there sowing your seed, that's going. That's preaching. That's teaching. That's creating disciples. So how does faith come, by the way? Hearing. By hearing by the word of God. There you go. Folks need to hear it. Oh, they need to hear it today more than ever. Of course, there was sin in the world back then, but we're here today. We have an opportunity to sow the seed. Well, this lesson has not been encouraged for someone who has yet to be baptized for the remission of sins to do so. I know all in this audience have done so. But you may be hearing this lesson and have yet to come to Christ. You may have yet to start your spiritual walk. To know this, if you have yet to do so, you are lost. You are condemned already. So let's turn away from sin. Let's turn those things away and let's come back to Christ. Because you once were as a child of God, as, as a small child. Why not be a child of God? Do not wait. Do not tarry any longer because we don't know when Christ is coming. Now in this audience and those who have been immersed for the remission of sins, have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you become like the, tear, like the tares? Have you become like the ones that fell by the wayside? Have you become like those stony places? Have you fallen away? Have you, are, are you withering? Are you dying? Come back. Turn away from those sinful things because God is waiting with open arms. He wants that rejoicing in heaven. He wants that sinner to come to repentance and come back to him. Does that need to happen tonight? Do you need to tell Satan, get behind me. Remember whenever Peter come up to Christ, and I can't remember the, the scenario, but it's the same thing that Christ told Peter, get behind me, Satan. He rebuked Peter. This is me rebuking you tonight. Turn away from your sins. Turn back to God. For he waits with open arms. He's ready to save you. His grace is extended. Do you need applying to it tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing a song of invitation?